You're listening to the Checklist Legal Podcast, digital thinking for lawyers. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Checklist Legal Podcast. I am Verity White, a corporate lawyer and contract productivity enthusiast. And Checklist Legal is a blog, a podcast, and an ebook designed to help you as a legal professional and lawyer craft contracts that your clients love, design innovative tools to increase access to justice, develop new skills as a T-shaped professional, and supercharge your personal and professional productivity. So in episode nine, we are going to be having a look at triple O productivity again, this time for your contract process. Previously, we had a look at it for your contract document, but this week we're going to be finding out how to make your contract process more productive, applying triple O productivity. And our mindset today is get curious. So don't get frustrated. Don't get annoyed. Get curious. Today, we're going to be having a look at why you have to get your contract process in sync with your contract document. We're also going to give you an example of an out of sync, slow process and how process mapping helped to fix that process. We're also going to be going over why a visual map of the contract process is so important. We'll be going through some common culprits of slow contract processes and how to fix them. And of course, you'll get an actionable challenge that we have in every episode for you to try. This episode is about simple process mapping tools and questions that you can use right now without a consultant or fancy software that can help rapidly outline process steps in complex contract relationships. It's not about intricate details of Six Sigma or Agile methodology, methodology, but if you have applied these techniques to contract processes, I would love to hear about it. So please get in touch if you are a Six Sigma black belt contract process guru, I would love to hear about it. So before we get stuck in and just a quick recap, if you can remember back to episode two, we learned to think digitally about the contract work we do. We look beyond just our own portion of the contract drafting or preparation. We also understand that a contract sits within a wider contract process. Sometimes we're aware of the processes before and after we see a contract. Sometimes we aren't. When we apply triple O productivity to the contract process, we're engaging with our clients in a really positive way and finding ways to make their work life easier and happier as well as our own. Remember that we're also on the lookout for potential minions so we can delegate like Beyonce, as we found out in episode four and five. Let's get stuck into it. Why is it so important that our contract process runs smoothly? Why should we as lawyers not just worry about the contract document? Why do we need to get our contract process and contract document in sync? And what happens when your contract process and contract document are out of sync? At the Athens Olympics in 2004, in the women's eights rowing final, a controversy erupted. Despite a strong synchronized start by the Australian team who were rowing powerfully towards possible medal contention, at some point in the final 300 meters of the race, one athlete stopped rowing. This was unheard of at elite level rowing and had never been seen in Olympic history. The remaining athletes tried encouragement, prodding, yelling. It didn't help. Sally Robbins had dropped her oar and stopped rowing. Robbins was dubbed Lay Down Sally by various media outlets and criticized publicly by teammates, leading to a court case. It's clear something went wrong for Robbins. Whether an athlete breakdown is physical or mental or even some combination of the two is beside the point. The other athletes in the boat would later describe how they felt ripped off and powerless. They felt frustrated and annoyed and pissed off. 
they were in disbelief and they were embarrassed. Whilst we might never know what it's like to get to an Olympic Games, we can imagine how we would feel if we were in that boat after months of tough training and years of sacrifice. The fact is, even though just one of eight athletes was not in sync, it had a massive impact on the whole team's performance. This is the same for contracting. You need to get your contract process and contract document to work smoothly and in synchronization. Often a lawyer's process expertise is more important than their legal expertise. Consider the lawyer who works in litigation or criminal law. If the lawyer does not advise their client of the steps in the process, the client can get very confused or miss crucial deadlines. Commercial and corporate law is no different and a lawyer needs to be able to understand and advise on the contract process as well as the document to ensure the client is operating efficiently and in a way that minimizes risks. Let's dive a bit deeper into how the contract process affects your productivity personally. External sales channels are always tricky for lawyers or anyone lurking, working, lurking <laughs> in compliance heavy areas. As an organization, you have the benefit of less overheads, but an increased risk caused by lack of control and less visibility over these external sales channels. Those that manage external sales agents are often salespeople themselves, which brings with it another set of challenges. Good salespeople often promise the world because they are eager to please and show the capability of an organization. In reality, things are often slower and less shiny than the picture a salesperson paints. When it comes to getting a new external sales agent on board, timing is critical. When you think of it from the sale channel manager point of view, they're keen to get a new stream of sales coming in and they have targets to meet. From the new agent's point of view, by committing to sell our products, they and their team could be without steady income for a certain period, between jobs whilst we get them organized and bring them on board. From a lawyer's point of view, and from my point of view in the past, Standard agreements to get these new agents on board was a hassle. There was no challenge. It was purely data entry and traffic direction. I knew it was important to get these agreements done quickly and I did want to help to get them done fast. However, my inner three-year-old child would say, I don't want to, whenever a new request would come through to my inbox. Still, I generally got the documents out within one or two business days or faster if the request was urgent. Fairly reasonable timeframes. After receiving complaints that legal is holding things up for weeks, I was surprised. I didn't think that my part took very long, except perhaps when I needed to go back for further information, but that wasn't my fault, right? I decided to investigate and I mapped out the current process, asking questions and mostly asking why. Testing the reasons why each step in the process was needed. Why does the commission team need to approve the agreement if the fees are standard? Why does the new agent wait to complete training until the agreement is fully signed? Why does the legal team see the agreement before the director approves the new partner? Why do we send the agent an unlocked editable copy of the agreement when we aren't really prepared to negotiate the terms? Why does the area manager need to approve the agreement? Can't we just notify them when the agreement is finalized? Why is the process linear? Does each step depend on the other or can finance and the legal team approve separately? And there was more. <laughs> When I knew the process, I could see it wasn't legal slowing the whole process down. It was a combination of each link in the chain, taking a day or two extra to get the correct information they needed to do their piece of the onboarding. There was also an issue of trust. Certain teams didn't trust the manager to use standard commission structures or terms. 
This meant these suspicious teams wanted to approve every document before and after it went to the new agent. We solved a lot of these issues with the following workarounds. Firstly, I mapped the entire process visually. This way everyone could see how their task contributed to the whole. So many times when I was discussing the process, someone would point at the mind map and say, I guess I could get a copy here at the end instead of at the start if that's the approved version. Or, gee, I didn't realize the whole thing had that many steps. Or, I didn't know it came to legal before me. If it's legally approved, I don't need to see it. Then we refined the application form. We reworked the application form so that new agents gave us all the information we needed at each step so we could smoothly approve and create a new contract. They couldn't progress or finish the form unless they filled out every single field. We then electrified the process and automated it within DocuSign, an electronic signature platform with automated workflows. This meant that users were now prompted if fields were left blank and we could lock down standard terms. It gave those suspicious teams a lot of comfort that the terms couldn't be changed. They no longer wanted to approve before and after, they just wanted notification at the end when the contract was signed. All the information they needed was now automatically sent to them. Less work and less risks made those compliance folk very happy. The biggest item which was often negotiated or discussed was exclusivity. This was a decision around whether the agent could only sell our products or whether they could promote competing products also. After discussing and training the sales team on the risks, pros and cons of exclusive agents, I put the power back into the hands of the sales manager with a tick box. It was easy to set up, the managers understood it, and new agents loved it because it felt like they were getting something for their negotiating. Now, they check a box if exclusivity applies. Each person within the process was starting to row together. By getting all contract users to row together, we made the entire process much less stressful. The contract document and the contract process were moving in sync. Everyone was trusting each other. To get in sync, we need to think about contracts differently. A visually mapped out process is a conversation starter. It says to your stakeholders that you care enough about them and their work and the contracts they use to create a useful visual tool. Your version of the process might be correct from your point of view, but someone else who uses that contract might be aware of another side process that also happens. This is much easier to spot on visual process map than a list of dot points, and you might not learn about these siloed processes without a visual map to talk to. A mapped out visual process gives you a great starting point to show later when you've improved the process. Everyone loves good before and after photos. It's a great way to illustrate the value of making contracts more productive. They save not only legal time, but processing time and resources across a company. So you can celebrate your successes visually. So what do we ask? Now that we know we need to map out processes, how do we go about it? In the next episode, we'll go into detail on how to use two types of basic process mapping tools, mind maps for simple contract processes and swim lane diagrams for more complex processes. For now, let's nut out the key questions for assessing contract processes as we apply triple O productivity steps to our contract process. These will give you a great start on contract mapping and how to gather requirements to boost the productivity of your contract process. Phase one, obliterate. Just like when we applied the obliterate step to the contract document, we're now looking at the contract process to see what we can get rid of. So remember, at each step, ask whether or not we need that particular step in the process. 
Can we do something so that that step is not needed? Can we remove that task or combine it with another one? Phase two is optimize. Is there a way to improve on the steps we absolutely need to have? If you must get approval by finance, what's the best way to go about it? Is it a request to a general inbox or a single person or other notice? Do we need their approval always or only over a certain threshold? We're looking to make every necessary step in the contract process as smooth, simple and speedy as possible for each person in the chain. Phase three is outsource. Thanks to episode one, we've structured our contract like a reverse sandwich. From episode three, we know we're thinking like a lazy lawyer, constantly on the lookout for minions, human or robot to speed up the contract process for all. Delegating to the right technology or people helps speed up the necessary steps in a contract process. Outsourcing the contract process via automation is one of the beauties of going digital. So your key question to outsource within the contract process uh, phase is to ask what parts of this process are best completed by other people. Can you provide options for different situations so a lawyer's help isn't needed? Do you need to enter this data or can someone else enter it and then you check over it? Could you get a paralegal to approve it or does it have to be a lawyer? Okay, that was a lot of content today, guys. The key takeaways for you. A lawyer's process expertise is almost as important as their legal expertise. For a contract to operate at optimum productivity, all the users of a contract must row together with complete trust in each other, the contract document and the contract process. Remember to ask those three key triple O productivity questions at each step in your process. Obliterate, do we need this step in the process or can we do something else so it's not needed? Optimize, now we're left with only the necessary process steps. Is there a way to make every single step in the contract process smooth, simple and speedy? Outsource, what parts of the contract process are best completed by a minion and which ones are best completed by me? This episode is the why overview of contract process mapping. It lays out the broad way to use triple O productivity to improve your contract process productivity. In the next episode, we're going to delve deeper into the how of contract process mapping and have a look at a couple of key tools to use. Our mindset for this episode was get curious and your actionable challenge this week is to consider a contract process that you find frustrating or slow or annoying. And instead of getting frustrated, get curious. I want you to make three lists. First list is a list of approvals, all the different approvals that are in a contract. When you have all the names and departments of every approver, you can then ask them what it is that they're approving. What are their concerns that they're looking for in the contract? Then you can make your second list, which is thresholds. Once you know who the approvers are and what they're looking for, you can develop a list of thresholds next to each approver. Is there a certain level of risk that they're concerned about? Are they just wanting to make sure everything is standard? Ask them what, if any, level of risk or value would mean they didn't need to give their approval. Ask them the areas they're concerned about and add this to the list. The third list you're going to make is about knowledge management and upskilling. With an understanding of who the approvers are and their current concerns and thresholds for needing to approve or not, you can then provide clear advice about the different options available at different levels. Once they have your advice and understand the process themselves, they might not want or need to approve anymore or perhaps their approval will take minutes, not days. So to tie that all together for you, 
For example, if in your investigations, you find the finance team is concerned about the pricing salespeople have given to customers. They want to make sure it's within certain thresholds. You could take a few approaches. Firstly, you could lock down the pricing so that salespeople can't alter it. You could ask managers or other approvers to confirm the details whilst approving other aspects so the finance team doesn't need to approve it. You could create pricing schedules so that salespeople can only select from finance approved levels. You could set up specific drop down choices so that finance only needs to confirm a drop down box reference instead of every dollar in a contract. So that is a long way of tying together your actionable challenge. Let me run over it for you again. Your actionable challenge is to make a list of all the approvals in your frustrating contract. Note the threshold concerns each approver is looking for and address those concerns where possible with advice or try to create contract solutions to address them. So much in that episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, Head to checklistlegal.com forward slash podcast for the show notes, which will link to lots of templates and all of the sources and resources that I talked to there. Let me know if you enjoyed the episode, if you have any other feedback at Checklist Legal on Twitter or Checklist Legal on Instagram and head to checklistlegal.com forward slash podcast and find episode nine for the show notes for this show. Look forward to chatting to you on the next episode of the Checklist Legal podcast where we will be having a look at what we'll be looking at episode 10. We are going to find out how to map a contract for productivity. We're going to have a look at mind maps and swim lane diagrams. Very exciting. I love a good mind map. Until then, uh, enjoy your contracting. <laughs>